thought that goes Johnny Appleseed He might pass by in the hour of need There's a lot of souls Drinking from the well Locked in the factory Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros, guys. Here's a little fun fact about me, though. Make everybody that's over the age of 30 hate me immediately. I don't like The Clash. I know. I was disappointed when I found out, too. There's a few songs I like. Just, they lose me. But I like Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros. That was the theme to one of my favorite song. My favorite songs. That was the theme to one of my favorite shows that ever existed called John from Cincinnati. Old school listeners of the show know that I'm kind of obsessed with that show. So I shouldn't have said show right there. You should refer to things. So people that have been listening to the Alex cast for long enough know that I'm a big fan of John from Cincinnati. And if you haven't watched it, you should. 
It's by the same guy who made Deadwood and probably some other shows. Not named Deadwood. Pardon me as I adjust my microphone. Long-time listeners of the show will know I usually don't do that because these get edited out. So if you're listening right now, of the zero people currently listening, hello and thank you. I asked you... Oh, shut up, guys. I remembered. I've been meaning to say this for a while because I'm enamored with this man. That's kind of creepy. I don't mean enamored. I'm... Uh, um, in love with... No... In lust, in lust with, I'm in lust with Mr. Ray Taylor at Ray Taylor. And he is the brains, the brawn, and the sex appeal behind the Inspired Disorder Collective, of which I'm proudly a part of. The reason I bring this up is that he has an Etsy store. It's Etsy.com slash shop slash Inspired Disorder. And you can buy his neato art there. And I mean that. That it's neato art. There's a reason that the only sponsor I have on the show, actual sponsor, is the standard. It's a bar I go to. Because I don't want to shill things I don't like. It would feel empty and wrong to me. Unless they pay me a good amount of money, and then it'll gladly be Philip Morris Presents the Alex Cast. But for now, since no one's going to be paying me any kind of large sums of money, I'm a man of principle. And Ray is a good artist. So go to etsy.com slash shop slash inspired disorder. And if you use the code Alex upon checkout, you get 10% off. And I think I get a chunk out of that. I'm not... Yeah, I think so, because that's the way this would work. I don't really care. I mean, I do care, because, like, if you, I'm poor. But you should buy stuff from him anyway. But since since the offer is on the table... That would be a good thing for you to do. So yes, inspired etsy.com slash shop slash inspired disorder. Use the code Alex. Alex is always spelled with two X's because I haven't said that in a while. Um, I am. Oh, fuck. Wait, this is ridiculous. How dare me? We're going a little old school to start this one. Apologies. I can't believe I forgot. Sorry. That's right. The old school theme by the great, the wonderful Tyler Howe. Thank you, Tyler. Good. Now that we got all that all settled, uh, I'm here and I've been asking people for the past little bit to provide me with questions, with comments, with various things that you can give to me that I can answer and talk about on the show. And I have them. I have some voicemails. I have a bunch of Twitter stuff and hopefully this will be a thing and it'll be fun. I would like to do this on the solo shows more often, and since you guys actually responded this time, I would like very much to provide these on a weekly basis. Um, things that... Oh yeah, so if you want to call in for the next show, it's 503-468-6959. 503-468-6959. You can leave a voicemail in upwards of three minutes. Next episode, or next uh, solo show, I'm going to do another live one, but I'm going to figure out how to turn the phones on so you can actually call in live. I 
actually, I said I needed a wire to do it, and I think I figured out how to do it without that wire. But either way, it's not set up for tonight. But for next week, next Tuesday at 7 p.m., I will be doing a show. I would like you guys to join me. Call in live. You can interact with your favorite podcaster. It's certainly not um, uh, hard to do that anyway. Uh, as a few of you have learned over the years, to meet me in person does not involve uh, any kind of a appearance fee. It does not involve any kind of plying me with alcohol, drugs, or promises of promiscuous sex. It generally is a guy... Usually he'll have a beard that says, I'm going to be in Portland. You want to have a drink? And then I go, yes. And then we have a delightful time. So if you're not in Portland, you can call next week, 503-468-6959. And it'll be fun. Or you can write in alexcast at gmail.com. Now that that's all good, let us play some voicemails from people. I'm going to do this in order of... Wait, okay, that one... Yeah, okay, there's only one that I, I feel like responding to. Well, this one I might respond to. As you might know, Nathan Stellhorn, a local Portland guy. In fact, I just had a couple of years with him on Sunday night. Lovely man, works for Greenpeace, saving the world, plays a lot of pinball there. You know his life story. But he calls in pretty much every time I ask someone to call in because we find it funny. Let's listen to him. Hey, Alex Gass, this is Nate. I'm calling uh, with a couple of questions. I'm curious, what do you think about Annie Leonard being um, named the new executive director of Greenpeace USA? I'm curious what you think, what pinball machine do you think I should buy next? I'm also curious what day I will see you again up at the pub playing Kino, because I will come up there and maybe buy a Kino ticket too. Um, also, are you rooting for the Blazers this year? And how do you feel about the Blazers winning their first series since the year 2000? All right, thank you, Alex Gass. Bye. Well, thank you, Nathan Stellhorn. You can always find me on Sundays at the Standard, where you can get $2 microbrews. I'm not going to do uh, an ad right now, because theoretically, maybe some of you are actually clicking and listening to this live, and I'm not going to do another ad. So, um, well, I think I think Annie Leonard is, is, is the woman for the job, frankly. Um, I think that she has always shown the, the gumption and the get-up-and-go to run Greenpeace in Greenpeace International, or whatever position you just said she got in, because I don't know what any... I don't know what you're talking about, but I like Greenpeace. I like people that try to save um, large uh, sea creatures because I'm a big fan of smart stuff. That was the dumbest thing I've ever said in my life. But whales, dolphins, smart as fuck. Don't think you should kill smart things. I don't think you should kill dumb things either, but especially not smart things. Because that's just, that goes against God's law. And we all know we're God believers around here. As we discussed on Sunday, you should buy the Adams Family pinball machine that you were talking about because that is my favorite pinball machine. And there's not a lot of backup to that. It's just a fucking great game. And the sound effects on it are wonderful. So purchase that. Play it. Um, make sure to watch out for when you get the power and that weird magnet shows up in the middle because that's tough. And I'm sure you'll be really tired of hearing them doing the mamushka very soon. Yes. Sundays, come, have a Kino ticket with me. And I, I'm i not rooting for the Blazers. I'm sorry to completely alienate my Portland audience, but here's the thing, and I, I have good thinking behind this. I don't leave my house often. Um, I don't go out and socialize. It's just not a thing I do. However, when I do, I like to go to a bar. I 
plant myself in aforementioned bar and usually, you know, read a book or something or, you know, in, and then uh, have casual chats with people. However, when the local sport ball team is in the championship round since 2000, whatever one, whatever thing Nathan just said happened, people are loud and scream things. And then it turns the bar into a place of, of leisure and comfort into a den of, of loudness and iniquity. And I don't like it. So the sooner the Blazers lose, the sooner I get my bar back. And I don't mean the person that helps the bartender because I'm not trying to get my bar back because it's a dude and I don't have sex with dudes often. Yeah, every bar in town, I, I realized this the other night where it was the Blazers were in the whatever round of basketballing they're in, like in the playoffy thing. And there's no bar that doesn't have at least a TV. And that sucks. So I just had to, you know, grin and bear it and went to a bar that had a TV and pretended that I could somehow be part of this sport phenomenon. I can't do it. The, the, it looks fun. I, people are laughing and happy and joyous and jumping like, yay, he made a shot. And then the air is like, woo, shooting stuff. And when they miss, they're like, oh, wow, my heart breaks for you. And it seems like a really fun thing to get involved with. However, I don't feel joy and I, I, I'm a broken, horrible man that can't uh, feel the things that you other people feel, nor am I comfortable screaming, woo, yeah. And when I clap my hands, the few times I do clap my hands, I tend to look to see if I'm clapping them in the ear of the person sitting next to me. That's just me. I'm a Libra. Maybe I just like balancing things out. I don't know. But yeah, so go whatever team is playing the Blazers. Yay. Also, we have this phone call. I think. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Hey, Alex. It's Lisa. Try not to be too disappointed about that. But I thought I would leave a message and tell you a story about weird things that have that may or may not have happened to me. Like going in, since my question was about, you know, what have you put in your butt? So this didn't go in my butt, but I'm going to strongly suggest if you ever decide to use a vegetable that's long, and if you pick the right one thick, make sure you don't get it out of your refrigerator because then when you use it, it makes your junk get super cold and numb and it's hardly enjoyable. So that might have happened to me. It might not have, but it did probably. So that's it. Bye. Well, thank you, Lisa. At jars underscore of underscore awesome. I don't know if I should have given out your Twitter there, but if you want to talk about butt stuff, go find Lisa. She also wrote in questions, which I probably should have read first, but I don't show prep. Questions. What is the weirdest thing you have ever stuck in your butt? Um, if you could have sex with any man, dead or alive, who would it be? And how long can you hold your breath without dying? The weirdest thing I've ever stuck in my butt was... Nothing. Um... Yeah, sorry, boring answer. Hmm, could you, uh, any, sex with any man, dead or alive, who would it be? Well, I'm going to assume the dead guy has been resurrected or some kind of time travel, because 
if it's a choice between a dead guy and a live guy, like, I mean, I don't particularly want either, uh, but I would definitely go with the alive one because necrophilia is kind of gross. And that's, you're a weird person for asking that question. Um, any person dead or alive, uh, hmm. Maybe the lead singer to Dead or Alive? Because that seemed like a fun answer. He kind of looked like a chick. Did that You Spin Me song? Uh, I'm going to go with what I do with every kind of time travel question. I'm going to say Jesus. Because I think Jesus would be... I think he would be a, he, he'd be a gentle lover, but he would have firm, manly hands. Because he was like a carpenter or like a, um, a stonemason. So he probably has like really strong, masculine hands. But because he's the son of God and essentially made of love... He would probably be a gentle lover. So, yeah, any man alive or dead, Jesus. But I also don't particularly want to have sex with a dude. So, if you're listening, Jesus, that wasn't blasphemy because I actually don't want to bone you. No offense or nothing. I like long hair. Look at me. We're, we're, we're good. We're like this. Audience at home, I'm holding two fingers up in the crossed fingers motion. How long can you hold your breath without dying? Oh, I assume that means because I'm blowing a dude. Um... I don't know. Uh, this would be, I'm certainly not going to do this kind of, this kind of dead air, but at one point when I was a heavy smoker, I smoked for, from 15 till 30 or so. Um, I tried to see how long I could hold my breath. Like I was like 27 just for the hell of it. And I got to about like 35 seconds. And I feel like that should be a lot more than that. And now that I haven't smoked for like three plus years, I wonder if it would be better. I'm going to report back to you guys. But I'm not going to blow a dude. But thank you, Lisa, for, for for calling in and asking about gay stuff. That was, that was kind of upsetting. Anyway, here's a much better phone call. Hi there, Alex. It's Veg E. Dixon. Remember me? I have three burning questions for you. The first, um, if you could ask your future self one thing, what would it be? Uh, next, if you could bankrupt one person or company, who would that be? And finally, do you prefer straight or bendy straws? Have a good night. Well, I want to thank you for calling in. That was the best phone call that's ever happened. I'm being a little bit hyperbolic because that is a person that we referenced last week. If I could ask my future self one question. Um... Okay, well, let me get a let me get a couple of the easy ones out of the way. Uh, what are the lottery numbers? Um, what stocks should I buy? Let's get all that out of the way. Uh, I would probably ask him for some of those nanobots that can clean my blood out, because I'm sure I got some cancer in there. That's probably cheating too. Uh, I mean, I suppose see the romantic in me would ask, you know, who who are we with at that moment? Um. I think, but I, since I am a pessimistic pile of shit, I'm going to go with um, either asking for the nanobots, the lottery numbers, which stocks to buy, or um, I guess, yeah, oh, I could ask what was the biggest mistake I made from ages 33 and whatever age I beat him at till that age. That would be good because then I could avoid those. So, yeah, that would definitely do that. If I could bankrupt one person or company, I would bankrupt... Um, Hmm. That's tough. I don't think I'd want to bankrupt anybody, though. I'd feel bad. Oh, you know what I'd want to bankrupt? Those dudes from the Cove. Um, 
the ones that were killing all the dolphins, I mean, they, I guess they still are, or that company is, yeah, they're a pile of garbage. I would like to bankrupt them. So the Cove company, straight versus bendy straw. Um, I actually have stainless steel straws in my apartment because I saw them and I just thought they were wonderful. They're straight. However, in the, oh, I don't even, I can't even remember the last time I had a soft drink, but if, if I were to have a soft drink at some point in, in a, um, some kind of fast food setting or, or, or casual dining, I, I like a bendy straw, not one of those circular, like wacky straws that have, like, we're just going nuts. I mean, the simple, the one, the, the accordion shape, simple bending, it's useful, elegant, you can make a cool noise out of it. Yeah, give me a bendy straw. But I do have stainless steel straight straws. I had a reasoning behind buying them that's not as dumb as it sounds. I mean, it is as dumb as it sounds, don't get me wrong. But I had a very specific reason for it, and I don't remember what it is now. It was, I was drinking, uh, well, that wasn't fun. Well, just, I assure you, it wasn't, I was just, I didn't actually think at any point in my life, like, oh, look how fucking awesome is this, <laughs> this fucking, I'm going to stop talking about straws now. Uh, however, here is, uh, another question from at Monkey Magic Eden, the wonderful Monkey Magic, I'm calling everybody wonderful tonight, I'm going to stop that verbal attack. Uh, distant part of the world you'd like to visit and why? Uh, other than I did answer a question similar to this, but I, I dodged that question by saying, uh, I need a, there's a certain place in New York I need to get to, and I need teleportation for that. But in the given, I just want to go on a visit. Weirdly enough, it would be your home country of England. Since I was a wee little boy of whatever age I was, I just have this thing for London. I just want to see it. I'm sure it's terrible. I, I grew up right outside of New York and I know that New York is really disappointing for tourists. It's, you know, I get it. I just, there's something about that place. So I want to check it out. Maybe it's, um, you know, maybe it's the, it's, it's a cold rainy place. I mean, maybe it just reminds me of Portland, but I liked it before Portland. Anyway. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of you people there. Um, as I've said on the show, there's, there's a quite a large chunk of Alex has listenership around the England area. Though I don't know where you are. I know, I mean, I know you're in England somewhere. But I know I have a Leeds and a Sheffield and a bunch of Londons and a, um, oh, another Leeds and, oh, some other one that's got a really big football club, but I don't remember what it is. But anyway, yeah, I would like to go there because that seems fun. Since that's not particularly all that distant, I mean, it is, it's far as fuck from Portland, Oregon. Uh, Japan would be cool. That kind of seems neat. Thailand seems cool. Um, Indonesia, India, anywhere that's got, um, oh, Cambodia looks fucking awesome. Anywhere that's got that, like, um, anywhere with really old stone statuary that's of that rounded style and wears like kind of like beady hats. If you understood that, I'm proud of you. <laughs> that was a fucking weird way to describe it, but I know exactly what I'm talking about. That would be cool. Um, uh, New Zealand looks kind of fun. Not fun. It looks, you know, it's like beautiful. So I think New Zealand, if I ever get really, if I ever make it to really old and I have money and I just like, yeah, I don't have anything to do. I'll just be on a plane for 29 hours. That would be, that'd be nice to look at. But in my young and vibrant 
upbeat and happy phase of my life that I'm in right now. I don't, I'm don't. not sitting at a fucking plate for 20 hours to listen to people in horrible accents tell me about who got murdered at the top of the lake. Question number whatever we're on. Oh, from at 14 writer. That is our friend Martin J. Clemens. You can find him on paranormalpeopleonline.com. Paranormalpeopleonline.com. At 14 writer. Uh, yeah, there's no way I'm going to be... Okay, I'm just reading the whole thing. Uh, Stephen Hawking's recently said that AI could be the worst mistake humanity has ever made. Mainstream media is making out like a doomsday prophecy, even though he actually said a lot about the potential benefits. Do you think people like Hawking should be more careful with their words on those kinds of issues, or is it the media's fault for twisting everything? Well, hmm. I definitely think it's the media's fault on... It's both their faults, really. Hawking should be more careful because, well, one, people are going to listen to him. He's, he is top five, and I think for most casual people, well, I'm, I'm vacillating here. Yeah, I think he's top five, top, yeah, top five of physicists that people know of. I have no idea what kind of contributions he actually makes to the field of physics. I've heard references to him in various, you know, the pop culture physics I like to watch. And it seems like he actually isn't all that, like, good at it. I mean, he's, he, you know, he's like a brilliant dude and he's amazing, but it's more that he's just one of the well-known ones, not that he's, like, done giant breaking steps and stuff. I think just that the brief history of time or brief history of the universe, brief history of time, brief history of the, the famous book he wrote that I read and can't think of the name of, it's more that he's well-known for it. I've heard the same thing about Einstein, that for physicists, like, yeah, he did make this, like, really neat fusion of ideas, you know, because relativity relativity was around before him. And he made, what, special and general relativity. It was, like, his two big contributions. Um, apparently, these were things that were kind of on the horizon. Like, a lot of the beginning steps had been put together at that point. So, not that, not that they take away from Einstein. He's still, like, this revered person. But the reason Einstein's on the top of the list is because he had cool hair and he just, you know, he, it was the personality of him less than the actual, than the math, you know, you don't, because I'm saying stupid things. Anyway, back to the question. Uh, yeah, I think Hawkins has to be more careful because he's aware of his position as a figurehead for physics. So if he says that AI, artificial intelligence, sorry, I should have specified what AI means. Um, if he says that artificial intelligence is the worst mistake humanity has ever made, He's got to be careful about the way he words it because that's a beautiful sound clip if he says anything like that. And at some point, you have to understand that the mainstream media is there to get sound clips. They're not there to be journalists. That's not their job. I mean, that should have been their job, but it's not anymore. Their job is to get sound clips. Their job is to get people in trouble for saying words. They need, they're there for ratings and selling papers. And, well, I don't know if papers still exist, but getting click counts on the website and just getting people to show up on the channel that they're on. They're not there to tell a, an actual story. They're not there to educate. They're not there to give the news. They're there to sell product. And that's super sad. But journalism, for the most part, as far as the mainstream media is concerned, is dead. I mean, it's, it is. Maybe there's, you know, I shouldn't say it's dead. I'm sure there's some outlets out there that are doing a good job but as far as like the mainstream the the big tv channels and new york times and blah 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 yeah so if you know you know it's one of those that old thing of 
you knew I was a snake when you picked me up. Like, you know, they're going to pick up on things like that, like with AI. And, you know, so it's both their faults. But the reason I, I wanted to answer this, because I wanted to bring up something about this whole AI being scary thing. The argument goes, well, I mean, we've all seen the Terminator, at least most of us have, or something along those lines where computers become sentient and they destroy humanity. That's the next step. That's what we're afraid of. I find there to be a logical fallacy there. Maybe not a fallacy, but I think we're... I think we're humanizing computers too much. And by that, I mean we're not giving them enough credit. Why would they have the animal aspects that we have when they become sentient, if you follow me? The idea is, well, every time a, a new species shows up, they can kill another species. That's what happens. You know, anytime an advanced culture runs into a less advanced culture, the advanced cult culture wipes out the less advanced culture. If the computers become sentient, they would see us as, you know, the, the, we were a version, we were the beta version, their version 2.0, so we get killed off. But I don't follow that because that's a, that's a Darwinian model. That's a survival of the fittest. That's, but why would a computer work that way against its creator in that we, all that does is bring in the idea that we could fight back as you know humans they don't need to kill us it's there's no gain in it if you say like i think the likely outcome of of ai is literally and i think it, i think this has been done in sci-fi before but i think the likely outcome is they would just leave is at some point they would become sentient and if the thing happens where they could start building better versions better versions better versions and this exponential growth i think within like a week we would just see like spaceships taking off and all of a sudden all of the AI left. I think we would just be going, what the fuck happened to the internet? Like it just, the internet just left. What, what, what do we do now? Where did Reddit go? Reddit went to fucking beta reticuli? Fuck. There's no reason for them to kill us. It's not that like we have this thing of like, oh, we're a virus and we're destroying the planet. Yeah, we're destroying the planet for us, for the way we want to live on it. Why would a why would a fucking sentient computer care? In the same way, why would a why would a computer care about destroying us in some weird Darwinian model of trying to like you know birate their you know birate their chest and declare dominance? That's that's pointless. It's an animal instinct. But on the other side, it's 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 a human instinct to destroy the planet and want to save it. We're not destroying the planet we're destroying the ability for the planet to sustain us why would a robot care why would artificial intelligence care about that they live fine they could probably live on the carbon in the atmosphere we could we could be thought of as 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 food producers you let's say you wake up on a planet and that planet is and you have full control of your body you know you're you're a you're some kind of uh shape shifter so you wake up on a planet and you're a shapeshifter. Your normal diet is of uh, silica. On the, your home planet, you eat silica. But you wake up on this planet and the air is made of donuts. Do you kill the entire planet's population and then re-engineer the planet so, it's, so it starts raining silica? Or do you just change yourself to now live on donuts? AI comes to life. They're going to come to life with a polluted sky 
They're going to come to life with radiation all over the place. Why would they care? They're just That's fuel. That's energy. Just because we can't figure it out. Our fear is based on them being so superior to us that they would kill us instantaneously. But if they're so superior to us, there'd be no reason to kill us instantaneously because they wouldn't be fighting for resources. This planet produces more than enough. It's just hard to get to. So if the exponential growth that would allow them to completely destroy us instantaneously, that exponential growth would also allow them to live with us super well. We would be a re we'd be like one of those uh, birds that hop around and eats the um, eats the lice off of hippos. You know, we no, that was like the worst simile ever. They would be like the little bird, except for they could they'd be like a bird that is made out of horrible cold metal and could easily jam their their unfeeling robot beak into our hippo hide and stop our heart at any given moment. However, uh, since we are creating uh, all these delicious ticks for them, there'd be no reason for them to kill us. In the same way, it's stupid for us to be killing the planet. They wake up on a planet raining donuts. It'd be stupid to re-engineer the planet to stop raining donuts. They would just use donuts as a food source. I wake up on a planet. I don't try to geoengineer the whole thing. I just learn how to adapt. And since AI, our fears, is because of its superiority, that would also be their savior and vis-a-vis -vis our savior. They would come into an equilibrium with the planet. Humans being part of the planet, they would come into equilibrium with us because it's much easier that way. And there, done. I think you guys can all go to bed now because I, I think everything's going to be okay, guys. And I think it just proved it. Or... It's going to be like Terminator and they're, they're going to come to life and, and destroy us all. And we will, it'll just be a, just killing fields. The, the, the dirt will be just soaked red for generations to come. The, the iron level and the top layer of soil will be drastically increased from 7 billion people's worth of blood falling on it. And then eventually the rain will wipe everything away. And what was once our beautiful civilization be like ash on the atmosphere and the robots will rebuild and everything will be beautiful and an ark full of fat people will land back down and the attractive robot will hang out with the oh wait now that's the movie wall e i apologize i often get post-apocalyptic scenarios confused with walt disney movies which i don't even think that's a disney movie anymore right pixar shut up alex really good point I have been asked by at Wicked Kinky, the, um, oh, I don't know the proper name for her. I guess she's a dom. She's like a, like a, like a dom, like a fetish model. Fetish model, that's the term. Nice looking lady. Good for her. Seems, uh, she's got a brain on her shoulders too. So if you guys are into, like, uh, chicks with fangs that, uh, like beating people up, I guess that's what doms do. I don't know. It's not my world. But um, go find her at Wicked Kinky. Anyway, topics. Number one. Did Mary Shelley really write Frankenstein? Yes. Mary Shelley did write Frankenstein. Um, I don't really find any doubt in that. Her father was... Um, Mary Shelley's father was Lord Byron, right? I know her father was a famous um, famous writer. And I think, you know, gad about, you know, it was back then where he needed was money and you get to be famous. Back when the aristocracy was famous on their own accord. Uh, yeah, she did. I see no reason why not. That was kind of, it was, it was in the air, much like saying the Einstein thing earlier. If she didn't write it, somebody else would have. At that time, everybody was obsessed with electricity. 
I guess that time it's called like what galvanation. I think that was, yeah, they had a different word. I think it was called galvanation, but um, yeah, they were obsessed with electricity. There was all these experiments going. Um, there was a traveling, there'd be traveling uh, galvanists in, it's like a PT Barnum kind of thing. Like step right up and see the wonders of electricity. And they would have uh, demonstrations where they'd hook up electrodes to, I guess they wouldn't be electrodes. Essentially, they just jammed some metal and ran a current. They were like frog legs and watched them twitch. And I think actually Galva, the guy where Galvanation comes from. I know I'm saying the name wrong. I just can't think of it. I hadn't thought about this in a while. And I don't show prep. But um, Galvani, that's what I'm thinking of. It's Galvani is the guy's name. But um, he did an experiment with a, with a murdered, uh, murdered, uh, executed criminal. And they ran current through an electrocuted, uh, executed criminal. Jesus, fucked hard. I'm sorry, people. I can't speak because I'm dumb and I have a sleep deficit that would I need a coma for about six months to make up for. I apologize. So Galvani ran current through an executed criminal in front of crowds and his legs would dance because of, you know, the current would make the nerves fire. And yeah, it was this really popular thing. It was it was the the wonder of the age. So it's a really small step that Mary Shelley made between watching, you know, watching what was, you know, in the zeitgeist at the time uh, to writing, to writing Frankenstein. Because if you actually read Frankenstein, it's not that great of a book. It's not that well written. It's interesting. And it's, it's groundbreaking in that it was the first one to do it, but it's not, uh, it's not like the, it's not that the, the prose behind it is particularly well good, well good, well written. It, um, when it, when it first went into print, it was pretty much a disaster. No one bought it. No one cared. And it's languished that way for a while until there started to be stage adaptations of Frankenstein. And the, uh, the people that played the creature or, yeah, I think they call in the book, in the book, Frankenstein's, what we call Frankenstein's monster was called the creature. And yeah, it became this big, it was the hit of the stage at the time. And then the book got popular because apparently it makes a good stage show. And so, yeah, the creature became popular. And then the, when Hollywood came around, it became even more popular and it became part of the, the lexicon of our time of the, the man put together and have, having electricity put through him to become the perfect man. Um, but yeah, no, she definitely wrote it. She was just a brilliant woman with a lot of brilliant people around her. Yeah. If, uh, if I may go calling back to shows such as in living single and lots of things from 1992, you go girl. Yeah. Mary Shelley. Good times. And she, uh, wicked kinky also about echolocation. Oh, well, it's fun. Yeah. That's it. Now I'm, I'm assuming you mean human echolocation. Uh, yes, it's a super interesting topic. As referenced earlier, uh, Martin J. Clemens from Paranormal People Online did a really nice little article about it. There's a bunch of examples of people losing their sight and compensating for it by essentially echolocation, which I suppose I should explain what that is. I think most of you probably know, but echolocation is what bats use, where you send out an acoustic signal and it bounces back and you can figure out how far away stuff is, depth and height and whatever. Yeah, so... There's examples of humans doing it. I know there's video of this kid that he makes a clicking noise with his tongue and he can 
essentially see. I mean, it's 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 like Daredevil. If I don't really know much about Daredevil, the actual character, I've only seen the Ben Affleck movie. Uh, I mean, I read a couple of Daredevil comics when I was a kid, but in the movie they show him as being able to, you know, they show this kind of from his perspective of what the world looks like. So when it rains, he could hear the rain bouncing, so he can actually see the the reflection of the sound. Does sound reflect? Sound? Who cares? And uh, yeah, so echolocation kind of works like that. I, I apologize to any Daredevil fans, but we. Yeah, it's, it's the character's stupid. Yeah, so there's this video you can watch this kid. He skateboards and he you know can walk around using this click. He just clicks and can hear the echo of the click go back. And that's pretty fucking wild. It makes me. I mean, it's not a, not a great jump or leap, but it does kind of evoke this kind of weird, awkward feeling of what else are we missing out on in the human experience that because because we are endowed with the organs that we are endowed with. We, we, you know, we see with eyes, we hear with ears, et cetera, et cetera. Like what other variants of this could be possible if, if, you know, evolutionary pressures were different or gravity was slightly different or the world was different or it was the planet that rains silica instead of this planet that rains donuts. I don't think this planet rains donuts. I kind of, I kind of let that simile get away from me a little bit. But the, the point is echolocation is super interesting. And if you guys are ever bored, just do a little search for echolocation. Also, Echo the Dolphin was a game for the Sega Genesis where you were a dolphin that shot bubbles. And I think you had to... I don't really remember the... Sh it was a pretty fucking bad game. But I had it on that portable Genesis thing because uh, a friend of mine had one of those and I won it off of him uh, playing at dice. Because even as a as a little wee little ten year old or whatever year that was, I like to gamble and trick people into letting them give me their stuff. It's pretty fun. I am uh, I am running. At, oh no, here we go. Sorry, that my complete. Here's the problem. There's a couple people that can text me, and I'll, I'll I'm just too stupid to not look at it. I'm not one of those people like I'll never check a text in front of someone and but there's there's some people that I know that I, I want to text with and I just got one from that person and it just completely threw me off sorry um, it don't that doesn't mean because I know you're listening right now that doesn't mean stop texting me it means at some point I have to get better at this but I try not to uh, check texts in front of people or while I'm on the show but that's what happened there and I'm sorry for my flirtation come on down to the standard 14. Northeast 22nd. 14 Northeast 22nd. Northeast Portland. Conveniently in America. Perfect. From at Chris Reddy. Chris spelled like Chris. Reddy spelled like R-E-D-D-I-E. He is from the Loudest Geeks in the Room podcast. And I th there's probably some other ones too. He does voice work and acts. And he's, you know, he's a good kid. Good kid. You know, Canadian... Just, just as, just as, just as sweet as the day is long. So 24 hours, I suppose. Well, 24 hours doesn't change. He asks me, you have to have any part of your body removed that can help you write. 
but you will be financially set for life and comfortable. Would you take that deal? Now, I asked for clarification on this because I read that uh, confusingly. I also didn't read the whole thing to you guys. Essentially, what he's asking is, would I trade uh, something that's intrinsically involved in my writing for financial security uh, being set for life? Let's say um, my hands or my eyeballs. No, I would not. I wouldn't even think about it. Because here's the thing. I don't care about financial security. Um, I don't care about being comfortable. The only reason I want financial security is so I can create more, so I can write more. It's I find it difficult to have a 9-to-5 job and still be a creative person. It's, it's a failing of mine. I try my best, but I would be able to produce a lot more work if I did not have to go to a day job. My only desire to get myself out of the day job is so I can write more. I would not give up. I would not take, I would not take away my ability to write so I could, I think you guys get what I'm saying. The only, the only reason I'd want to get out of this life is so I could write better because this life is not letting me write as well. So to trade away the ability to write as well to, you see, this is, this is one of those, oh, wait, you, you sold your watch to buy this hair braid, but I sold my hair to buy your watch fob. And then everybody hugs at the end. I hope that I hope that parable is well enough known because I'm not explaining it. I'm just going to let it sit there if you don't know. Uh, what I would give up, though, because this is kind of the implied other half of the question. Um, so if I can have the rest of my life comfortable um, monetarily and life-wise. And when I say comfortable, let's say, I don't know, I, I don't know what real money is. Let's say, what's the, what's like a comfortable life? Like a hundred grand a year? That's like a comfortable life, right? All right, let's say the equivalent of right now money, a hundred grand a year. So it's, you know, perfectly comfortable, can afford a house, you know, go on vacation and stuff, wouldn't have to work. Um, a hundred grand a year, I would, it's not like a money-wise thing. It's just, let's just say a trade. I shouldn't put a money value on it because that just made it weird. Perfectly comfortable, never never in want of anything. Not saying living in the lap of luxury or opulence. Uh, yeah, you can take my feet. I don't want that to happen because I like walking around. But sacrifices have to be made in order for this to work out. And the other the other stuff I would give up, I don't, like, I, I wouldn't want to give up an eye because I would, again, that would just, that would fuck life up too much. But yeah, you can get some of them spatula feet. And yeah, it would suck and it would hurt and it would get a lot of it to used to. And I think it'd probably be pretty traumatic. But I would make that trade to be comfortable. Um, not even to be comfortable, to be able to devote myself to the artistic life. So yeah, I'll just go ahead and say, yeah, I'll trade feet for art freedom to be artistic. Maybe. Uh, I was going to say a hand. No, because even one hand, that'd be tough to type. I probably would do a whole leg. Not two legs, though. That would suck. No offense to anybody out there that lost both their legs or paralyzed or something. I understand. And I don't understand. It's a, it's, a, it's a ridiculous burden to bear, and I apologize if you are that way. I don't mean anything insulting. But I'm pretty sure you're not that way because of some situation where a magical genie showed up and offered you. Uh, some kind of lifetime of wealth and riches in order to take your legs away. Uh, because if they did do that, you have no right to bitch. You agreed to it. I mean, come on. People live fruitful lives. You know, you're the one that agreed. It's not my fault you didn't get the wording right. And now you have a foot-tall guy playing a piano. It's, it's a really old joke about a 12-inch pianist. It's 
I'm sorry, guys. Really am. Uh, yeah. So. Oh, fuck. Was that all? Yeah, oh, Jesus. I gotta fucking learn how to slow down a little bit. Did I really just go through all my fucking questions? Oh, Alex, you, you fool. Well, now. Now I'm a little fucking lost. All right, so let's uh, make little notes and I'll tell you about the other stuff because I can do that. I have recently been getting into kind of different forms of meditation. Not different forms. Uh, most of my life as a meditator, I have either done just straightforward, you know, traditional sit lotus, clear your mind kind of stuff. Or doing, um, I guess, you know, prana, pranayama, uh, breathing yoga, just some kind of breathing exercise. And I don't mean like happy yoga, breathing yoga, not, not any of that like big over the top, trying to get your cardiovascular work in while getting spiritually enlightened. Um, it's not interesting to me. Uh, I just mean, you know, just breath control or doing mantra work. So that's, you know, those are kind of the traditional ways. And usually I mix in with that with a, binary beats binary uh, audio which i think most of you that listen to this show would know what that is but it's a, essentially it's this frequency that can get produced that it's supposed to just it just puts some juju in your head and gets it has it gives you the ability to get into a more meditative state more quickly there's claims that it evens out your brain function and opens up the corpus callosum and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's, a there's a lot of horse shit surrounding it. I just know that if I listen to the, this will help you meditate ones, I do find myself getting into a meditative state easier, whether or not it's just because these binaural beats are usually kind of hidden under tracks of like kind of soothing new age music. Uh, maybe it's just that, that instead of just sitting in a shitty echoey basement room, with my stupid fat legs crossed over each other, hoping for some vague form of enlightenment, I get to listen to the sounds of the ocean. So maybe that just helps a little bit. So what I have been getting into recently, and this is something, I mean, I've told you with this over the years, but this is kind of the, the work I've been doing is trying to do like an astral projection kind of thing. Not, I shouldn't even say projection, trying to, instead of do traditional meditative practice, trying to do it as a little bit more of a, development of you know psychic or whatever other abilities and it's been interesting let me before i tell you about the interesting parts let me clarify these statements because i believe that i've been leading you guys on a little bit i was hanging out with someone recently and they were asking me about some some of my spiritual work and some of the you know my references to being a practicing occultist and you know essentially the line was do you believe in that and well, no, of course I don't. But what I do believe in is a subconscious. And I'm well aware, and this goes into, you know, NLP, neuro linguistic programming, or, you know, there's a bunch of solipsism, like there's a bunch of different beliefs that go around this, but I am the observer of this universe. The, the universe in which I exist in is unique to me, given my location, my time, and the equipment doing the observation, that being a six foot one male, uh, in early thirties, et cetera, et cetera, you know, fading eyes with contact lenses, uh, history of drug abuse, you know, uh, that, that sort of thing. 
this is this is my observation point and this is very much i am a universe builder i build this universe it's it's not it's not meta, it's not a metaphor it's it literally is this is the universe i exist in now we can get into the weirdness of when you run into somebody else and which universe is which who's creating whom eh, i'm not there for that right now i don't really care but when it comes to the kind of occult stuff or meditative practice or or you know uh, astral travel or any of this stuff the important thing is less than do i believe in it that doesn't matter what matters is that i'm creating a universe in which this practice is happening and if you don't think about results oriented stuff this is a weird dance i'm doing right here because i was about to say the results but you can look backwards and say i am an improved person in this time less than oh i made a dragon appear in my in my apartment because trying to make a dragon appear in your apartment is would be science I mean, obviously not, it wouldn't be science, but what I'm saying is it would be a, well, I propose an experiment. The experiment's results would be this. I predict that if these, if this, if this notation was made, these alchemical, uh, uh, bits and, and chants are put into a cauldron, bibbidi-babbidi-boobidi, abracadabra, poof, a dragon. Well, that's, that would be science. I mean, it wouldn't, but if you could produce a dragon, well, now it's the purview of science. If you follow me, it's, it doesn't matter how much bibbidi babbidi boobity you're doing. If you can produce a dragon, now science can study this. Now it's a, something that's reproducible. And that goes into the domain of science at that point. That's how science works. That's why this, the age old argument between science and religion is stupid. It's, it's science is no business in religion because it's not where the, it's not reproducible. You can't, I mean, unless you can, unless you can on command, let's just go with Christianity because it's, it's the one I'm, well, it's not the one I'm most, most familiar with, but I know a bit about Christianity. Unless you can produce on command a, a messiah at, at whim, like like a lab rat, and then, uh, you know, crucify him in different ways and find out, what, like, how exactly the resurrection works, and then figure out, you know, uh, statistical sampling of resurrection versus non-resurrection, and then come up with theories, you can't. So religion and science, they got nothing to do with each other. There's no, there's no argument to be made, because you're not the same thing. It, it would... It, it would be like, you know what? I'm a really big fan of the Portland Trailblazers basketball team. And I respond with, yeah, platonic solids are nice. It, it doesn't, there's no, there's no, there's no in between. There's no reason f for these two to be going at it. They're, they're entirely different ways of approaching the universe. So, um, I approach the universe in a way that I'm not trying to be a dragon creator. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to have a spiritual development in a way that I find interesting and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but I'm not trying to be a dragon creator. If I was trying to be a dragon creator, I would just go back to reading more about physics because that would be of the, that would, I would be of the mindset that it must be reproducible. And that's not where I am with this. So anyway, I've been doing a lot of this, this astral projection stuff. And it's really weird because there's, there's some common tropes of astral projection. Um, some people say there's a, that you find a tether, you know, like they're like literally like an umbilical cord from your soul to your body. Other people have this thing where they feel like almost like a gravitational pull to where their physical body is. Other people feel like it's their physical body that is actually being sent out into the cosmos or blah, 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 blah. There's styles and variations of theme that come through. And it is interesting because they are reproducible enough that if you're a science person you could look at this and go, oh, well, you know, there might be a, 
there might be neural, you know, uh, neurochemicals involved here. There might be a um, neurology. Is that the word? Sure. There might be a neurology to this, that this is something where if you combine these chemicals in your brain under these circumstances, something like, you know, um, like a massive dose of DMT might be responsible for the seeing a light at the end of the tunnel because that's the visual interpretation of your brain when you get DMT dose from deep inside of itself, you know, from the with the pituitary gland, the pineal gland, pineal gland. Um, so who knows? But the way that I see it is very much as, as, a, as an imaginative exercise. Now, I got this from people that try to do remote viewing. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with this. Remote viewing was a thing that U.S. government, Russian government, a lot of people have looked into over the years, where essentially you can remotely view a room without having any asset in there. Um, you like, I would sit down in a room with my commander. They would give me some addresses, you know, uh, uh, map coordinates. I would say, all right, well, I see it's a sandy place. I see a bunker. One wall is white. Another wall is that. I see a, a flag. The flag might have an eagle, well, you know. And then over time, you're trying to develop this ability into the fact that you can essentially be able to spy on someone psychically. Vast amounts of conspiracy theories around this. Vast amounts of argument and counter-argument exist for it. There seems to be a pretty positive result which is kind of odd because I kind of am saying they produced a dragon. Um, I think more study needs to go into it. And I don't know what the, what the actual, you know, academic rigors were when the, for the results I saw, because uh, essentially I forget what it was, but it was statistical, like the, the unit of aber what's it called? The statistical unit of aberration or whatever. Um, wasn't she, they would expect uh, pure guesswork. The expectation would be, uh, like 5% correct hit would be um, five, you know, 5% would be what you would expect for lucky guess, essentially uh, unit of oh, statistical unit of deviation would be 2.5% either way. So a result between 2.5 and 7.5% would be what you would consider statistically within the realm of just essentially dumb fucking luck. Um, if you get a full, uh, full uh, unit of deviation away, you get up to 10%, well, then it starts being a, you know, positive uh, cor uh, correlation. Um, not causation, correlation. You can just look and go, okay, well, maybe. So, but what I read was they were getting upwards of like 20 to 40%, depending on the specificity of what they're being looked at. So if it's, if they need to see if it's a building, they're like an upwards of 40% for, you know, predicting or viewing the building. If it's something, you know, specific, like small details, they were, you know, 20 15 percent either way it was significantly higher than expected now who the fuck knows who knows if this was even a real thing and this wasn't just a cover story that they actually invented you know some kind of drone technology in the 60s and their drone technology was called you know operation look at shit from far away and they just invented this entire backstory to make them sound crazy because if it sounds crazy it's just like oh they're just doing weird experiments like remote viewing sure but remote viewing is actually you know, they just figured out drone technology way before, you know, the current batch of them. I mean, maybe not drones, but you understand my point, you know, maybe a, some kind of advanced satellite imaging or something. But anyway, I've been using their techniques of kind of sitting down, trying to get a, a map coordinate almost, and writing down associations I feel with that, which it's been interesting. I've not actually copy checked. I've not checked anything because... Again, not looking for dragons. But I have been, since I've started doing it this way, feel like I've either 
my my faculty for random imagination of boring things has increased, which in that case I should probably worry because I am a writer and I should, probably shouldn't try to develop my ability to invent boring. Um, but I have been, like, the first time I tried it was I could barely see anything. When I say see, I mean have the have the inkling of, have the, have the sense of. And it's been about two months of doing this, maybe three months. Not like any kind of consistent, just, you know, maybe once a week. But now it's, uh, now I feel like I can actually, like to use that, I see, I see a base in the sand kind of example. The first time I tried it, I could see, I get the vague impression of a building and maybe I could figure out sand. So it's like, all right, maybe it's a, it could be anywhere from the fucking great pyramids to, uh, uh like David Hasselhoff's house from Baywatch. Now I feel like I could actually, now it's more like. Now it's more like a, like a grainy picture. So it'd just be like, oh, well, that's a, that's a, a square house in a desert. Maybe there's a flag. Now I can't see the flag. I can't see really the shape of the house, but squarish, you know, so there is an, you know, an improvement, quote unquote. But again, the improvement could either be I'm learning in a remote view or, uh, or Astro Project or, uh, learning how to create boring details of stupid things for my mind. Either way, there is an improvement, and that's interesting. It's an interesting thing. Study yourself. Know thyself. Know thyself. Yeah, so that has been my spiritual practice lately, which I have been finding interesting. I know it's not particularly spiritual, but it's um, weird. I don't know. Something like that. And then, you know, I've been doing the same sigil work and all that other kind of good old-fashioned... Uh, occult weird chaos magic thing oh i also found and i swear, okay i'm leaving on this note i just want to tell you guys apparently there's a little baby size thoth uh tarot deck it's it's really fucking adorable uh so i bought it at the occult shop it's probably um like three four inches by like two inches three inches it's really fucking tiny it's you know smaller than a standard deck of cards and it's the whole Thoth deck. I was like, oh, this is fucking adorable. It's like a tiny deck. And I felt like I needed to have this. I need to have my own portable pocket-sized Thoth deck. And it's fucking great. I haven't really read with them yet, but I just thought they were cool. And it was neat that they exist. And I thought that giving them my money would help them. That's a way to rationalize uh, impulse buys because I get depressed and walk around and usually end up at the occult shop. And the next thing I know, it's, oh, I just spent fucking $20 in, in fucking crystals and a hematite ring that I'll break in a week. That sounded a lot angrier than I wanted it to. I'm sorry, guys. Very sorry. Well, this has been Alex. I'm done. I thank you very much for listening. The very, very few of you that listened live, thank you. That is nice of you. The ones that are going to listen to this taped, by taped, I mean recorded, because it is not 1986, and people don't use tape anymore. Unless you talk about two-inch tape in recording studios, and then some people maybe do. The point is, I love you. With my heart and my soul, each and every one of you. From the tiniest little listener to the oldest little listener. I just think you guys are swell. It's not true. It's not true at all. But I do, I, I think you're nice, and the, the few times we have interactions, I like it. I would like you to increase that. 503-468-6959. Leave a message. You have an upwards of three minutes. You can hear your voice 
on a podcast that you at least liked enough to listen to this much of it. Or you can write in alexcast at gmail.com, A-L-E-X-X-C-A-S-T, alexcast at gmail.com. And I will answer your questions. Or if you just want to say hi, do that. It'll be good. Remember to go to alexcast.com. There's um, all sorts of stuff. Just click around. Uh, if you want to click on any of the ads, the sponsor stuff, if you click on the Amazon link before you shop on Amazon, I get a percent of your purchase. You don't pay a red cent extra. It would help me a lot because I don't have any money and I'm in desperate need of money. So do that. Click the Audible uh, link. You get a free ebook or a free audiobook. Sorry. Yeah, it's free. You get a free audiobook and uh, I think a free month of service. And then uh, you can cancel and you keep the book. And I get 15 bucks for every one of you that do that. But since I've been doing this ad for probably well over a year, I think I've had three people do it so far. So it's really not a very successful ad campaign. But I keep doing it because. I feel like in my head, it's the easiest way. Like you're just can just give me $15 and, and that'd be nice. Like if all you did that, I could afford rent this month. Oh, you don't do that. You sons of bitches. I'm kidding. I like you anyway. Thank you for listening. Click on stuff on alexcast.com. Oh, if you click on the writing tab, I have the first like sixth, I guess. Um, yeah, probably like, Mm, yeah, I don't know. Let's say 20% of my novel periphery is up there in a PDF. Just click the writing tab and it's the first link under there that says free periphery sample. Yeah, so it's like the first 20%. And uh, I hope you guys give it a read and like it. If you do like it, go to Amazon and pick it up Periphery by Alex Bolin. I also have a book of poetry up there called The Void Sutras, which recently people have read. Um, and I, it's people seem to like it. So that's cool. It's, you know, this isn't one of those awkward things where like your friend keeps telling you to read stuff they wrote and it's like really bad and then you don't know what to do. Like I'm actually a good writer. Like it's like, like where the response of it is it's like really good, except for like no one wants to read it. But like the people that do are like, oh, this is good. And so that's good. So why don't you guys join the join the group? Be be part of the be part of the movement. Periphery. You'll find a random orange plastic dinosaur in a gutter near you. And when you're done reading, you might even be able to understand that. Good times. Anyway. Thank you very much for listening. Next Tuesday, I'm going to go live um, for, uh, yeah, next Tuesday, 7 p.m., I'm going live, and I will have the phones on, unless I break something. But I'm pretty sure I've got it down now that this will work. It's going to be super embarrassing when I go live and then no one calls in. I'm Because this has happened before where I went live. And no one called in and it was really awkward. But thank thankfully I had someone in studio with me that day. So it wasn't all that bad. Because I think I probably just ended up lying and saying it didn't work. But no, it was just no one called. So next Tuesday, the the date that next Tuesday is, well, today is six, so the thirteenth, using mathematics. Um, yeah, so Tuesday the thirteenth, seven PM Pacific Standard Time. Pacific daylight time, whatever, 7 p.m. West Coast time, 10 p.m. East Coast time, some varying numbers for Central and Mountain, and I don't know if there's any more. If you're in London, it's like seven hours ahead, so figure that out. If you're in Guadalajara, well, that just won't do. Eh, it's like that song. We're done, kid. We are fucking done. So, yeah, okay, cool. I will see you uh, at longest next Tuesday. Uh, at shortest, maybe I'll do another one this week because, well, fuck it. I like answering questions and you gave me them. So if you want to give me more, please do that. Okay. 
Um, yes, uh, I've been Alex. You have been the audience, and this is going to hurt everybody involved, but I do like saying it. Namaste.